Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. For our second year anniversary here, I felt like it was really important to uh, go back over um, something uh, very important for us. It's the reason we do what we do. And you may go, oh, this is not really like a message. Uh Uh-uh. The whole goal of the church in general, our local expression of the church, which some people refer to the small C church and the big C church, the church across the world, the entire goal is to carry out the direction of scripture. And so what you're going to find is there's um, a, a few notes in our message and in, our, um, in your notes, like fill in the blank notes in your handouts today, but there's a whole bunch of scripture. We have to be very clear on what we're doing and what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do as the fellowship of believers, the church of Jesus Christ, so that we can go out there and accomplish it. Every Bible-based church is going to have some form of mission statement, vision statement of them carrying out what they want to do. They're going to say it in a way that God's kind of revealed to them and connects with the people that are there. But ultimately, it all boils down that to us carrying out the direction of Scripture and the direction that God has pointed all of us to go in because ultimately all of us are going to wind up in the same place that call ourselves believers. Amen? <clears throat> so um, I, I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of the expressions that we use around here, um, why we're called Roots Community Church, and what our vision statement is, and you'll see how it aligns with Scripture. So what we're basically doing is kind of giving our own um, giving our own description of what God's asked us to do based on his word, and this is what you're a part of. And so if you, after you hear this today and go, I don't know if I want to be a part of that, no problem. God has a spot for you somewhere. If you don't want what, what we feel like we're called to do and the scriptural um, guidelines that we feel like God's put on our heart, no problem. There is a church for you out there. We want the people here that God wants, who God directed, and we don't, we're not just trying to like pack it in with people. That's not the goal here. The goal is not to build a following. The goal is to make disciples. And a disciple has a very specific job. For that reason, this church may never be and probably will never be some big massive thing. And that's not a problem or a shot, taking shots at things that are big. I just, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the, the mind and heart of what they're supposed to be doing. I know what God's called us to do. And so I want to make that clear for everybody and give you the scriptural precedent for what we are about as believers in Christ and what we're going to be going for here at RCC, okay? So the first line has three blanks. I'll give them to you in succession here. And this is basically our vision statement, our goal here at Roots Community Church. It's to grow deep roots in Christ, connect to community, and live God's purpose. Grow deep roots into Christ, connect to community, and live God's purpose. And you say, man, that sounds nifty. Great, we worked hard on that. Um, Grow, connect, live. That's kind of what our process is here. So where does that come from? Ephesians chapter three, verses 14 through 18. Excuse me. This is Paul talking to believers, the church. So what he says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. 
I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Let's stop right here just for a second. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've confessed with your mouth and believe, not just say it and secretly you don't believe or secretly believe and you don't say it. If you confess and believe, you are saved. At that moment, you're a new creation, a new creature, and the spirit of God comes to live inside of you and he gives you a strength that you don't have on your own. You're, you, you, um, you're empowered with inner strength. Let's keep reading then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into the local church. No, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. Now, are you supposed to participate in the local church? Absolutely. Are the roots of your faith supposed to be dependent upon the success or failure of the local church or the pastors of that church or the staff of that church or the people who go there? No. You are supposed to be pursuing Christ on your own, having your roots grow down deep into him and bringing that relationship here to this place so that we can grow and strengthen each other together. That's what's supposed to be happening. When you have a weak moment and you're going through something, the community is supposed to be here to help gird you up. You're supposed to have that relationship is dependent upon you and God because Roots Community Church, all of us will, as a group will not go before God at the end of time. He is going to call Matt Poole, stand here. I'm going to, and look at what you did with your life. Did you believe? Did you obey? Every single individual. He, uh, Paul talks about this again, Colossians 2, 6 through 8. And now as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, into him, and let your lives be built on him. Everything points back to him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. One of the key reasons that you need deep roots is so that when someone comes to you with some other idea of how to live or other concept of how to get to heaven or there's not just one way it's not just jesus it's not just christ it's uh, every way leads there or whatever other kind of um unbiblical foundational hypothesis they want to present you you understand i am rooted in jesus i am drawing from his goodness and i recognize this as it's not him it helps you to deflect and push away these things that may sound kind of nice, but came from humanity, um, um, a man's mind, not God's mind, or from a spirit that is an adversary of Almighty God. Clear? The whole point of Roots Community Church is you growing roots into him, into him. This will mean that sometimes it's, a little difficult. There will be work involved. 
extra things that we're going to push you, encourage you, poke you, kind of peer pressure you maybe a little bit into on a positive way to say, hey, let's go chase him, dig in here, let's get together, let's have a conversation, let's open up, let's be vulnerable. Those things have to happen if your roots are gonna grow deep in him. They have to. So there's three sections in your notes here, three points um, that we're gonna review today. And the first one, number one, I'll do one, Nina will do two, and I'll come back for number three. Number one is roots. Roots. God created and preserved, I'm, I'm sorry, the roots. No, there's going to be five little A, B, C, D, and E. Most trees have hundreds, if not thousands of roots. Most of them are small. So if you will think of any tree that you've seen, maybe one in your yard or your backyard, your front yard, or down by a, a park somewhere, or one at your job, wherever you work, you've seen a tree. Most trees have three to five major roots. And then off of those roots, there's these little tiny little shoots that go out into the ground. The three to five major roots provide stability and foundation for the tree, but all of the smaller ones that branch off from them help grip the ground that they're planted in so it doesn't move. It's increased stability. So with that in mind, what are the five roots that we're going to help promote in all of us that scripture tells us we need to chase and that you're going to be constantly reminded and pushed to have develop and focus in your life? Number one or letter A, scripture. Scripture, it's the first root. Matt, shouldn't the first root be faith in Christ? No, no. Because unless you have faith in Christ, there can be no roots. The faith in Christ is the seed of faith that was placed in the ground of your life. The shell, the flesh dies, and then the inside begins to grow. Faith in Christ is a prerequisite. It is not a root. It is how you start to grow roots is faith in him. Make sense? So the first root of our life, one of the, the, the biggest one is scripture. God has created and preserved his word for our benefit and instruction. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. This is Paul talking to Timothy. He's a young pastor, and he's giving him some insight on how to, um, how to trust what he's about to go do. Here, here's what he says. But you, he's talking, Paul's talking to Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Okay, so he's been taught. The things he's been taught, he can trust. What has he been taught? You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So he has been taught the holy scriptures ever since he was a child. Current parents future parents, future grandparents. It is important that you take the time at a young age to put scripture into those kids. That needs to take root in them in a very young age. They need to be familiar with the scripture as young as they can possibly understand it. So he's been taught the scripture. How do we know that the scripture he's been taught can be trusted? Let's keep reading. 
all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what to, uh, what to do or teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How do we know right and wrong? We've been taught right and wrong by our families, but how do we know that when the culture says this is right and this is wrong, and we say, no, 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 this is right and this is wrong. These are the guidelines. How do we know that? How are we not persuaded? Because we have to have roots in scripture. We have to dig down and know his word. The Bible talks about how uh, about God's word throughout the Bible, but here's just one of them, Psalms 119, 105. It talks about what God's word does for us. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Are you struggling to know what your, what your purpose is, what your call is, what you're supposed to be doing with your life? Read God's word. It is not a book that you read. It is a book that reads you. Here's what I mean by that. When you read the Bible, you stop looking and comparing yourself to other people you begin to compare yourself to the standard that is in scripture. And when you begin to compare yourself to that and not the other person at your church, not the other person at your job or the other person that is your friend or somebody else that you know that calls himself a Christian, one of the, when you begin to compare yourself to scripture, you get a very accurate view of where you are and just how much grace you need, just how much grace I need. And where I'm falling short and where I need to make up the difference, the first root has to be scripture. That's why all these messages have scripture. We're talking about reading God's word. There's a 90-day plan we put into place. Read God's word. It has to be a major root in your life. Number two, the second root, relationship. Relationship. When our relationship with God is in order, every other relationship will follow. Matt, are you saying I can have a relationship with God? Yes, James 4, 7 through 8. Humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Come close to God, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. If you get close to him, pursue him, he can be found. He's not playing games with you. You will find that the more you pursue him, the closer you sense that he becomes. Because as you draw close to him, he draws close to you. It is impossible for you or me or anybody to get closer to Jesus and become more like him and then be worse in our relationships. If I am acting more like Jesus, more like Christ, if I am following the, 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 the direction of scripture and his commands that have been laid out in God's word, it is impossible for me if I'm doing those things to be a worse husband, a worse father, a worse friend, a worse pastor. If you get close to Jesus and you become more like him, it's going to have a positive ripple effect on every other relationship that you have. Number three, the third root, love. Love. Scripture identifies love as the highest ethic. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Three things are going to last forever, faith, hope, and love. 
What that means is that mercy and grace, those things do not last forever. Think about it. When you get to heaven, when this world comes to an end and we are taken from this place and going to live in the next with our Savior, with our Lord, with God Almighty. When we go there, what happens? We are the product of mercy. We are the product of grace. But because that human element's been removed from us, we no longer need the mercy and grace. What will remain is faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all the eternal things is love. That is the highest ethic. Love does not mean that I have to look at someone who's doing something that I don't agree with or scripture doesn't agree with. It doesn't mean that I have to look at them and be like, oh, just go what you want, do what you want to do. Matt, I really want to rob our bank. You know what? I just love you. Just go with God. I love you and I'll be here for you. I'll visit you in prison. Just tell me where you buried the bags of money and I'll be happy to, to I, won't, I won't tell where the money is. I'll just save you a little bit of it. Just go with God. I love you. That's ridiculous. Sometimes you have to stand and speak the truth, knowing you're going to take it on the chin from the culture. You speak the truth, not in a judgmental, you sucker, you're going straight to hell. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're, you, you drink, you got the devil's sauce on your lips or anything like that. No, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you have to stand in love and speak to truth to a culture who is unloving. Why? So that they will love you? No. They pushed Jesus away. They're not going to just run and embrace us. We stand and do it to be an example of the goodness of our God. And he uses that as a conviction to someone's life to bring us, that will come to us later that we can go, hey, I have no capacity to love you correctly, but Jesus lives inside of me. Let me introduce you to him. That's the third root love. The fourth one, growth. <clears throat> growth. Now, we're supposed to make disciples. We made that up, but we, 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 um, we didn't make that up, but we, <laughs> let me, we made that clear up at the beginning, right? We made that clear at the beginning. Disciples are marked by continuing to grow in relationship with God, knowledge of scripture, commitment to spiritual disciplines, and maturity. I'm going to say that again. Disciples are marked by continuing to grow in relationship with God, knowledge of scripture, commitment to spiritual disciplines, and maturity. The word disciple means learner. I'm going to continue to learn more, grow in this relationship, understand God's word more. I'm going to take more in and let that, then let all of these roots grow deeper. I'm not going to say, oh, I have a little bit of, a little bit of love. I got a little bit of scripture knowledge. I got a little bit of relationship. And it just as, as long as it exists, I'm all right. No, we're committed that those things grow deep into the soil of our relationship with God directly. How do I know this is a goal? Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. There's much more we could say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. If you ever fall asleep in church, you don't seem to listen. Just somebody nudge them so you don't have to you know, read the, to be, be the example of the scripture. You have been believers for so long now that you ought to be teaching others. 
Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. This doesn't just apply to you. I'm not saying this to you. I'm reading what's been given to all of us because I have to participate in that growth as well. Every one of us is responsible to participate in that growth. The reason you have scripture that's presented here and not my ideas, but the ideas of scripture, and everyone who sits behind this pulpit understands the same thing, that you don't grow through my opinion and direction. You grow. You don't grow through my motivation or inspiration. You grow through the word of God. As much as I continue to feed you the word of God, it will help your, your roots and the, the, the depth of your relationship with God continue to grow. It'll continue to grow. The fifth one, worship. Worship. We did an entire series on worship, which we'll do again sometime in the future, maybe next year and the next year or something like that. If you want to go into depth of what worship is, go back and listen to that one. It's on the podcast. But basically, there's three words that the word worship in English comes down to. Submission, honor, and affection. Worship means submitting to God, honoring what he's asked us to do, and out of our mouth, we will pour our affection out towards him. There's a lot of scriptures about worship in the Bible. We'll just pick one. Psalms 95, 6 through 7. Come, let us worship and bow down. That word is shalka, means to submit. That's where we get submit from. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people that he watches over, the flock under his care. If you would only listen to his voice today, submit to him honor what he's asking, talk about the goodness of God, listen to his voice, and all five of these roots will begin to grow deeper into him. Our goal is not to pack the building. Our goal is to deepen the relationship of the disciples that come here. Get deeper, grow deeper. Those are the five roots that we're after, okay? I'm going to ask Nina to come, and she's going to run you through point number two. So I actually picked this middle one because I feel like I'm good at it. <laughs> so it's better to come and talk about something that you have really good experience at, and then you have uh, encountered the success of something that is written in Scripture, you apply that to your life and you live it out and you start to go, wow, it really does work for the betterment of others and for yourself as well. And so the first line in your notes, um, it says under community, it says we are never alone when we are connected in, to Christ and in community. So that means the idea of isolation and the falsehood of being alone do not exist 
when you are in Christ and you are in community, which means no matter what hardship you go through, it has 1% chance of knocking you over when you are in Christ and in community. But what does that mean? It sounds very positive and motivational, right? But let's go even higher than that feeling and go into scripture. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us think of ways, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. That means we have to be intentional about motivating each other. We have to think of ways that I can motivate Val and Ross. It's saying here, don't just walk about life and think good of others, think of ways. That's talking about actions. When was the last time you sat down and thought about ways to encourage one another? Like, I don't have time. Yes, you do. How much time have you spent online on YouTube, TikTok? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How much time can you replace? Can you take one minute and think about somebody? Even in this body of believers, how can I text this person and just say to this person, hey, I'm with you today. Pray with the Holy Spirit in mind and ask the Holy Spirit, who can I reach out to? My phone is filled with text messages from Anita, from Sammy, from Sarah, from my friend Stacy who lives in Texas. And a lot, and, and they're filled with words on paper from different people. That's how I get by. But then in return, my phone too is filled with ways to reach out to others. There are times where I don't want to, but this scripture says, let us think of ways. Don't wait until we bury the dead to stand up and thank them. They can't hear you no more. No matter how much you think it's doing them good, when you're there at a funeral, they can't hear you anymore. Do it now. Does that make sense? Do it now. It also says, let us not neglect the meeting together. Today in this world, no one's meeting because of COVID, because of things that are mandated. The Bible says completely opposite of that. Do not neglect coming together to encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is near. With everything that is happening in our world, it's, easily, uh, it's easy for us to throw in the towel and be discouraged. But here, it, this is God giving us the formula to not be discouraged. We all know the return of the Lord is a real thing. And if you don't, Good Lord, talk to us after. Okay, it is a real thing. But it says even in these last days, get together, encourage one another. Our talk as believers should be, look, is, it is as it, it, it was written. Don't be surprised by all the things that are going on. Read the word, like Matt said. You know these things were coming. So we should be encouraged instead of discouraged. Let's continue to be together. John 13, 34, 35, and says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. This is Christ saying, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
my hope for our church and for the community of Christ is to be so together and in one that when that we would be able to hurt each other by the things that we said by accident. And the love of God would be so huge that we would be able to come to, to each other and say, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry I said that to you. I'm really sorry I didn't answer your phone call. I'm really sorry I didn't come through. I didn't know you felt that way. And that is the love of God in action. That we would come and be so together, understanding the love of Christ, that when we go through conflict with each other, he is big enough inside of us that we can overcome those conflicts. Because the world today, they go in conflict, they throw their hands, and then they start a new group. And then ask you, with the same hurt, to join their group. That's crazy talk. Okay, Galatians 6, 2, and 3 say, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. I love this next part. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are fooling yourself. You are not that important. That, that's a good ooh to the word of the Lord. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Okay? It says that. It's so true. If you think you're too important to help someone, you are fooling yourself. You are not that important. That is so great for myself, who holds this position of pastor's wife, pastor, whatever. I just came from a funeral, and in my culture, pastor's wives and pastors, they get too much attention. It's just too much. I am, I'd rather be with the people. But this last time, I was at a funeral, and they put me in a room with all these pastors and their pastor's wives. I absolutely, I can't, I can't handle that. Uh, it's too stuffy for me. Sorry if you're watching. It's too stuffy for me. I feel like I'm out of place. I feel like I need to be with the people. That's what my position is supposed to be doing. Talking to the people, being with the people. And I think this is a great scripture for any of us who get prideful in any position. Or we get prideful in our age. Well, I'm too old to, I'm too old to help and go out. You know, I've served. Bible says here, if you think you are too important in your position to help someone, you're fooling yourself. I love how the word of God puts us in our place. You ain't that important, bro. You are not that important. Get out and help somebody. And here's why I'm praying that this scripture becomes alive in us. That we would become the church when someone loses somebody, all of us are there. When someone is going through a hardship, we all show up. We don't wait for Matt and Nina to make that move. There should be phone calls. Hey, how can I help? How can I help? Can we cook a meal? And some of you have done that. That is the beauty of this church, RCC. You have all done that. But I think we need to step our game up a little bit higher. Tune your ears to each other's burdens, what they are carrying, what they're going through, and ask questions. How can I be there? Stop going, can I bring a meal? Just bring a meal. Stop going, should I call? Just call. Stop asking, should I text? I don't want to like get in their way. Baloney, when a person is hurting, they will welcome any help. That is the type of church that I wish for us to be. Okay? Um, and I'm excited about that. Uh, so I want to repeat that scripture one more time. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourselves. You are not that important. And don't neglect coming together. 
Okay, so that's what I have to say about community. Thank you. That girl good. <laughs> I like her. <clears throat> okay, so number one on your notes was roots. The second was community. And number three is church. Now, I'm going to give you an illustration on this one, but I'm going to give you the, the next line in your notes, next two line in your notes. And I'm going to grab something while you're writing them down. Ready? Believers are instructed in scripture to bear fruit, not buy fruit. To bear fruit, not buy fruit. All right, Vanjie just helped me. Thank you very much with the water. Can I ask you to be a part of my illustration here? <clears throat> okay. Yay, welcome Vanjie, welcome Vanjie, welcome Vanjie. <laughs> And just hold them out like this. It'll be my tree. <coughs> okay. Strong tree. There you go. Just hold them out really, really big and strong. Just like that. Yep, just like that. Wide out there, okay? <clears throat> okay. The human tree. Here we go. We are instructed to bear fruit, not buy fruit. We live in a culture that is not agriculturally based. The Bible, and then the, the times that the Bible was written, people were growing their own food. They had their own livestock. They were, <clears throat> they, were tr they were moving sheep and herds and cows and things from one place of eating to go getting water. And then they had to go through the whole process of killing their own meat. My guess is that the vast majority of us, if not all of us, have never strangled and de-plucked the feathers out of a chicken before we've thrown it up on the grill. Now, if you have, don't explain that process to me because I may not every chicken again, right? <clears throat> but um, most of us haven't done that. Most of us have no. <laughs> yeah, you all right? Okay, cool. Um, so what we have to do is remain with an idea, not of putting the Bible through our current culture, but through the lens of how it was written. These people understand what it's like to grow their own fruit, to how long that there's certain seasons. We understand that um, watermelons are not in season anymore when I walk into Fry's and it's not in the produce section. And I ask the guy, where's all the watermelons? And he goes, they're not in season anymore. Oh, I have to ask somebody because what do I do? I don't grow fruit. I go buy it. We have to be used to the fact that there is a process for us to be the church and bear the fruit of disciples in Christ. The, the, the tree is not so, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> the tree is not so, there's a, there's a reason, there's a reason. Will you keep going? Yeah, there you go. Okay. <clears throat> Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, 
bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and what and they prosper in whatever they do. Now, the reason I had her come up here and hold these things is because I knew they were heavy. I knew she was going to start here and kind of start to, you know, get a little bit tighter and down and stuff like that. <clears throat> because when we have not properly rooted ourselves in Christ, but want to appear as though we are a believer, this is what we do. We examine the, the branches, the convictions, the disciplines of a Christian's life, and we say, how can I do that? I want to do it. What is the list of things I have to do? And you say, oh, they don't watch these kind of movies. Okay, I can do that. Uh, they, don't, uh, they don't listen to this kind of music. I can do that. And then uh, they don't go to these kinds of places or watch these kind of things. And after a while, people just keep throwing these, these, uh, these branches at us. And after a while, they're too heavy to carry on our own. The reason I had to come here and hold these things up, I knew that would be too heavy, only because it is an example, thank you, it is an example of what happens, an example of what happens when we try to fake our relationship with God and come to church but not be the church. Okay, going out with my Christian folks, okay. Can't talk like this, can't talk about these things, can't say these words. Okay, let's go. And you try really hard. I didn't cuss the whole night. That's awesome. I only had one drink, not 11. That's awesome. I left all the pills I take at home. I didn't have to, I didn't take them out with everyone. Awesome. And then what happens? You get back home. And then what do you do? The weight of it is too much to carry, and you drop the convictions that you were presenting were natural. I'm going to church. Okay, all right. What's what, I can't, I gotta say the key words, all right? Blessed, hallelujah, I gotta call everybody brother or sister. Here we go. And we go, and then what happens? We get home, ugh. And the convictions that we portrayed in public are not the ones that we have in private. Have you ever gone out at like three in the morning and looked at the tree in your yard and seen it put its branches down? Because it went, ooh, long day today. No. Why? Because it's growing out of them. It's a part of them. The convictions that come when we are planted in a relationship with Christ, those convictions are not ones that we have to go and say, okay, the pastor said I don't do this, the other staff member says I can't do this, and I'm just not going to do this in front of them. And it becomes about doing the thing instead of growing the roots into Christ. Because instead of going, I'm not supposed to look at that. What happens is if you have a 
root of scripture that is drawing from the ground you're planted in, which is in directly into God, the purity that he gives begins to saturate you. And it doesn't mean that I have to go yes or no on that. There's something in me that goes, no, can't watch that. Can't look at that. Can't see that. Why? Because that's wrong. Did I have to go? Let me find the verse for that. No. Why? Because I already have a root of scripture planted into God, and I'm not faking this when I'm in front of you or trying to do the Christian rules. What I'm doing is building a relationship, and I have a root of scripture, a root of discipleship, a root of growth, a root of love. I have roots of all of these things in me, and these convictions begin to grow naturally out of me. Does it mean that I'm never tempted to walk away from them, never tempted to, to, to set any of them down, never tempted to kind of be involved in them? No, but the longer you, you are with God, the deeper your roots are in him, the greater and longer your relationship is, there is a natural progression and maturity that these convictions that you are trying so desperately to hold, that you don't have to try so hard anymore. You know your conviction is real if when you're in when you're in your own place and the doors are closed, do you drop them? Do you drop them? If you do, there's a greater issue than you not having integrity. The issue is you're not drawing from the soil where you're supposed to be drawing from. If you have roots planted directly into Christ, do you think that anything but goodness is going to be pulled through those roots? No. If you want the goodness, the purity, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the gentleness, the faithfulness, the self-control, if you want those fruits of the Spirit to be naturally growing in your life and the focus of what you're trying to develop, you don't have to run into a place with people who are really believers, fake the convictions, and try to blend in. Why? Because they won't be bearing fruit. Well, there's fruit on here. Yeah. Fake. When I, when I go behind closed doors, I don't care really much about purity. When I go behind closed doors, I don't really care much about the things I'm not supposed to do or say. I don't care about hate growing in my heart. I don't care about my mind being eaten up with bitterness. I don't care about those things anymore because I only needed to fake the branches. That's not being the church. And if that's you, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say, stop trying to serve God in your own strength. You will be given the Holy Spirit who will give, will, who empower you to accomplish what is in Scripture for you to accomplish. The last fruit of the Spirit on the list is what? Self-control. I can't control myself. The Spirit of God in you will give you a strength that you don't naturally possess so that you can control yourself and not choose the flesh 
Stop trying to find the branches to make you look like you're a tree. Set them down. Be honest with yourself, God, and everybody around you and say, I need my roots to grow deeper in him. There's no point. If, you're, if you have branches and no fruit, probably because the branches aren't connected. You might be trying it in your own strength. I have not found a scripture that said, every once in a while you'll run across somebody who's planted in Christ and they don't, they're not producing any fruit. I haven't found it. That means for yourself. Is love growing in me? Ask yourself, is joy growing in me? Is peace, is patience, is kindness growing in me? Or am I... Oh, God, give me patience. I need to be more patient today. Oh, gosh, that guy's driving me nuts. I don't I can't stand him. I just hate him. Let me try to power through with some love here. That's you trying to hold the branch. But when you have roots into Christ, these things begin to come out of you, and you start to ask questions six months from now go, I used to get really annoyed by a lot of stuff, and now it doesn't seem like it annoys me. The people around you go, man, you used to be angry and bitter every time we would talk about fill in the blank, but we'd all kind of clam up when somebody who didn't know you would bring up the subject, and we'd be like, ooh, here it comes, and then you kind of stopped that. I did? Oh, I did used to be eaten up with anger and hatred and, and vengeance and wanting revenge, but now you're just telling people, okay, God forgave me, he'll forgive them. Where does that come from? Great personal strength and discipline from your flesh? No. Could you be able to fake it for a couple weeks and say that out loud? Yes. But when the rubber meets the road and the, your own strength is gone, do you, where do you default? And that default might just show you the depth of your roots. If you are here and you're saying, my roots aren't that deep, it's okay. They can grow. How? Read his word. Spend time in prayer with him. Follow his commands. Get together in a community of people who are chasing the same thing. Oh, a church, a fellowship of believers. Operate in love. Commit to continue to learning about him and those things will deepen and grow in you. And here's what's going to happen. That root of love is going to spring off another small root when you learn your family isn't perfect. Forgive them. Um, your friends, they're not perfect. Let it go. Another root growth. And the more specifics and details of you applying that love 
shoots out one of them little roots and helps you to grip the ground that you're planted in. Why in the world do this? Why come here and continue to talk about this isn't fun? One of the things that I never saw was God take a seed out of a ground, put it in his hand and go, grow little seed. He didn't remove them from the dirt. The dirt was required. The adversity that God is leading you through, he hasn't taken you out of. He's making you grow through it is strengthening the depth of your root in him. I want the problem, the hurt, the adversarial thing I'm facing, the opposition to go away. Mm -mm. There's a chance that God will not remove you from it. You're going to have to grow through it. When we come here and we read the word of God together and we present it, we talk about it and we digest it and we listen and ask the Holy Spirit, what is he saying to us? What we're doing is saying, God, pick the weeds that could strangle this out of me. Put something in the ground to, to fertilize my, the nutrients and develop me faster, quicker, deeper in you. That's what we're doing when we come here. We're getting together with other people and saying, man, will you pray for me? Because this week, lost it a couple times, did not reflect the gospel well to my coworkers. Sure, man, I've done the same thing. Let me pray with you. On Tuesday, check up on them. Thursday, praying for you, man. That's what we're talking about. That is being the church. Not coming to church. Set all that down and be the church. Why do all of this? Why did God bring you here, direct you here for all of this? Because it's my guess, he's preparing you to stand in a place with massive opposition and have an unwavering, unfailing faith and continue to bear fruit in every season. I'm not talking about somebody who goes, I want to be seen. I want to be famous. And then when I stand there and get all the applause go, it's him, but keep applauding me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being in places of influence that the world may never see. And you distribute the fruit of almighty God to the people that you have influence with, that your influence is growing, your convictions 
are growing. Your relationships are growing. Your wisdom is growing because the roots are planted in Christ. You're drawing the nutrients from him. It is establishing your core as unmovable, and you are now bearing fruit in those areas. Wherever you go, you should be bearing fruit. You should be bearing fruit of a life that is submitted and planted in the soil of relationship directly with Almighty God. If you have those roots, if all of us have those roots, what problem will God say, you're small, but you're deep and strong? What problem will he put in front of us to go tackle? What is he going to say? Roots Community Church, there's three things in this city that I want you to go knock down. I want you to go revolutionize these things. What is that going to be like? How fulfilling is it going to be not to just come to church and grow for no reason? How fulfilling is it going to be when God says, hey, I want you to solve the, the foster care crisis in this city? I want you to find a way to house 13,000 kids that are today in foster care in this state. Ironically, there's 13,000 churches. If every church took one kid, we would empty the foster care system of the state. What if he put that in front of us to do? What if he said, I'm going to give you a plan to eradicate abortion in Arizona, and you're going to find ways to connect pregnant mothers with people who want these children or to help raise them up in discipleship and faith where they will be the parents they're supposed to be? What if he put in front of you something you have not even comprehended yet because you spent the time you committed to him i will go where you say go i will do whatever it says you wanted to do i will attack whatever thing you put in front of me and whatever that is whatever he has in store for us wherever that is we are going to continue to grow into him take the people who god brings us other than that are already here and teach them how to grow deep roots into christ and raise up an army of people who will stand against the culture for the betterment of the culture and say you don't have to run headfirst into the wall off the cliff anymore there is a way that is better shining the light and the darkness being an ambassador for christ and giving them a way out of eternity separated from god he is going to put something in front of us and you specifically that you may never have figured out, never have dreamed of, and he's going to call you to go attack it, but your roots, the foundation of your relationship, the fruit needs to be bearing in your life. Where is he going to take you? I guarantee you, it'll be the most fulfilling, adventurous, fun thing, hard but good, that you've ever done in your life. I guarantee it. Because purpose from the purpose giver is the highest purpose. Purpose. 
I really wanted to go do this. Mm -mm. That root of relationship I have with him is steering me in a different direction and go that way because he's shaping you for something specific. That is what we're doing here. There's a real possibility that establish, establishing you in a rock solid, immovable, unshakable relationship with Jesus Christ will mean that he calls you away from here. Very real possibility. That goes counter against the uh, church growth narrative. Build up good people and keep them here so you can show that you have good people. Mm -mm. Bible says he's going to call you to go some places. If he calls you to go to a different church, to a different city, to establish a church, to another nation, to attack some problem, because that is what he's put in your heart to do, we're going to cry, we're going to hug, we're going to bless you on the way out, and you are going to go because you don't belong to any man. You belong to him. And if we all know you're supposed to go and you're afraid, we're going to go, great, and then push you out the airplane door. <laughs> when he says jump, jump. If you don't want that, this church is going to frustrate you. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable either way. So we're going to push you to grow. We're going to, hey, get involved in this 90 days of us reading the, the New Testament. Come on Wednesday night. It's our second Wednesday night. This Wednesday at our house, 7 o'clock. We don't know how to get there. I'll give you the address where you go. Come and be a part of the growth. Let's push a little bit deeper. Let's go a little bit further. Let's mature a little bit more. Let's move past. Let's don't be these people in Hebrews that... God says, well, y'all should be teaching other people this stuff by now, but you keep learning the basics over and over again. Let's don't let that be us. Let's learn what he wants us to learn, develop what he wants us to develop, and then go to where the darkest need is. And you don't have to find the need. God will point you right to where it is. My guess is he's already directed you to a spot that needs some help. It's not very big, Matt. Only work with four people. Yep. Be faithful with the little thing. Then I'll give you much. And that sounds really good. I want much until it's 400 people that you're supposed to impact and distribute fruit to for the gospel. I really wanted today to be a rah, rah, let's go get them. And it's not. Because growth is typically quiet. But it's very, very real. My goal is, and my prayer is, that for every person that's in this room that's at the third year anniversary of RCC, that you would look back and go, since last September, the third week in September, since then until now, I've really grown in my 
relationship with God. I spend more time this last year in his word than I ever have in my life. I've reached out for help when I need it more without embarrassment and asked for prayer. I have leaned on the other brothers and sisters of Christ in this room when I needed them. I have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he will do with me because of the successes and failures that he has walked me through. I have grown through some dirt and I have grown a couple of new branches and I see myself bearing the fruit of the spirit everywhere I go. That is success. That's success. We can double in size by the end of the year. Not success. Don't you want more people? I want the people who God brings here that want to grow. Because if you just want to be ankle deep in the splash pad, it's not going to work. That song that we sang, I think it was last week, is He Calls Me Deeper Still. He's calling you, come out here, come out here. I just want to go to heaven and stay doing my own thing in life. This place is going to frustrate me. And that's on purpose. Let's commit to be those people who grow so deep into Christ that when a new person walks in the door, walks in your job, walks in your dorm, walks in your school, walks in your business, whatever it is, they look and go, I see all these little small bushes around, but that guy, that lady is an oak. There's some strength in them I don't understand. I need to know what that is. And in that way, we can be roots, community, church, grow, connect, live.